Well, this morning we are continuing with our series in Proverbs entitled, entitled Timeless Wisdom. And this morning we are going to talk about the issue of marriage. She was in the counseling room with her husband for marriage counseling. She looked at the counselor and she said the following. When I got married, I was looking for an ideal. Then it became an ordeal, and now I'm looking for a new deal. (laughs) Socrates is said to have told his students, by all means marry. If you get a good wife, you will be twice blessed. If you get a bad wife, you'll become a philosopher. Well, I am thankful to stand before you and say I am not a philosopher. God has blessed me with a great wife. And God has been faithful to uh, both Barb and me through the, the years. And I'm just thankful to God for bringing her into my life. So this morning, what we're going to do is what we've done the last several weeks. We're going to look at the, this subject of marriage as the Scriptures talk about them from other Scriptures besides the book of Proverbs, and then we will zero in on wisdom from Solomon. So let's start with some statements from Scripture as they relate to marriage. The first statement is this. God established marriage. God established marriage. Now, it's important for us to recognize that God has given marriage to all mankind. Whether you are a Christian or you are not a Christian, God established marriage, and it is for all of mankind. Also, I want to make it clear at the beginning of this message as well that as good as marriage can be, and as much as marriage is a gift from God, singleness is better than being in a bad marriage. Sometimes I have uh, single people tell me, oh, I just wish I could find that right one. I wish I could find the one to get married to. And that will happen right after I've been in a counseling session where a married person has said to me, I wish I'd never gotten married. Being happy in singleness is a gift from God just as marriage is a gift from God. And God does have a gift of singleness that he gives to certain individuals. And the Apostle Paul will tell us that if God has blessed you with that gift of singleness, you are better off to remain single than to get married. Because when you are single, you can concentrate all your efforts on pleasing the Lord. And Paul tells us that in marriage... The husband needs to be mindful to please his wife, and the wife needs to be mindful to please her husband. 
But we go back to marriage itself and we see that it is established by God. We see that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then in Matthew chapter 19, in verses 4 through 6, they've come to Jesus trying to trap him with questions. And we read, and he answered, Have you not heard that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Now let me stop right there. This is as clear as it can be, and it is something that even the smallest child recognizes, that God has made people male and female. I do not understand how this can be such an issue debated in our culture when it is so simple and so clear. God created us, male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God is joined together, let not man separate. God is the one who established marriage. Now, in our culture today, this is a marriage is a subject that is being debated. Uh, marriage is something that is being redefined. And basically, it comes down to one simple issue Do we believe that marriage is something that God established? Or do we believe that marriage is just something that is a cultural contract, a social contract between two individuals? See, if marriage is nothing more than a contract between two people, then they can define it however they choose to, and they are. But for those of us that accept the Bible as our authority— for those of us who believe that there is a God, a God who created, and a God who created order within all of his creation, then it is God who defines what marriage is. And God is the one who has established marriage. One, it is to be a voluntary relationship. People are to enter into it, each partner wanting to enter into the marriage. It is a public union. It is something that regardless how the culture recognizes it, and as you go around the world, each culture has different ways in which they celebrate a wedding or in which they recognize that a couple is together in marriage, but there is a public part of it, a legal part of it, that happens in those cultures. One of the things that in the church we have faced recently is we have faced senior citizens who approach us and they want to be married in the eyes of God but not in the eyes of the public and not in the eyes of the state. 
And typically, that is because they want the financial benefits that come to them. Oftentimes, these are widows or widowers that don't want to lose their spouse's benefits, and in cases they lose them if they remarry. And so, therefore, they will approach us and say, hey, would you marry us in the eyes of God? And we'll have a ceremony, and before God, we'll be married. But there's not going to be a marriage license, and there's not going to be any legal recognition of this union. And typically, I will look at the senior citizens when they approach me with this, and I will say, let me ask you a question. What would you say if two 18-year-olds approached you and said, we want to be married in the eyes of God, but we don't want it to be legally recognized? Well, I wouldn't do that. And I said, neither can we do it. If God has called the two of you to be married, then get married and God will provide for you and God will meet your needs. Marriage is something that is a public union. And also, God makes it very clear, marriage is between one man and one woman. Let me repeat that, though I think it is very simple and very clear and should be very clear from Scripture, there seems to be a lot of confusion about this today in our culture. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That is what God has established. God established marriage. And because God established it, what he has to say about it, I think, is most important in defining it and in telling us from his word what marriage is to be like. The next statement from Scripture, marriage is intended to be permanent. When you took your marriage vows, those of you that are married, part of those vows were Till death do us part. Marriage is intended to be permanent. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. What God has brought together, don't let men separate. Number three statement. Marriage is to be a relationship steeped in love. Marriage is to be a relationship steeped in love. Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Marriage is to be a place where love abounds. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 7, Peter writes, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That means you have to understand her. 
Well, some people are laughing here. All right. If that's not happening right now, if your wife can look at you and say, you don't understand me at all, then husband, you got some work to do. She is the subject that you are to be focused on now, seeking to understand her. The same thing goes the opposite way as well. Wives, you need to understand your husbands as well. And I realize sometimes in communication, there are some obstacles that get in the way, as I've shared before. Barb and I, at some times, much to my chagrin and frustration, have to work on this communication and this understanding. And we will reach points at times where we are both frustrated. And she will look at me and she will say the following. I don't know how I can make this clearer to you. I teach first graders, and all of my first graders would be able to understand this. But you are reasonably intelligent, and I don't understand why you cannot get this. To which I lovingly respond, every week I talk to about a thousand people. They all seem to be able to understand me. Why can't you understand me? We are to have a home that's steeped in love in which we seek to understand one another. Statement number four. Marriage is to be an exclusive relationship where each partner's uh, sexual needs are met. Number four. Marriage is to be an exclusive relationship where each partner's sexual needs are met. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verses 1 to 5. Now concerning the matters you wrote... Now, keep in mind, what Paul's going to address was an issue back in the church in Corinth. This is an issue that has existed all time within marriage. And Paul says this, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Sex is a beautiful gift given by God to be engaged in within the confines of marriage. And sex is a part 
of that marriage relationship. Uh, Many times I am surprised when in the counseling room, when people are coming in for marriage counseling, at how long it has been in some cases since the two of them have made love with one another. Sometimes I am shocked to find it has been years. That is not what God has designed. God has designed for marriage to be an exclusive relationship where each partner's needs are being met. Statement number five. Believers should only marry another believer. Believers should only marry another believer. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Save yourself heartache. If you are here this morning, and you are single, and you are free to marry, but only within the Lord, and it is important that believers only marry other believers. Every time that I know of where this principle has been violated, it ends up in heartbreak. So believers only marry another believer. Now let's move into the book of Proverbs, and let's see the advice that the wisest man who ever lived gives to us as it relates to this issue of marriage. All right, number one, appreciate your spouse as a gift from the Lord. Appreciate your spouse as a gift from the Lord. Proverbs 19, 14. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Your wife is a gift that God has given to you. So appreciate the gift that God has given to you. This word that's translated prudent when it says a prudent wife is from the Lord. It means one who knows how to be successful, one who understands, one who is wise. If that is a description of your wife, she is a gift to you from the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 tells us, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Solomon says, if you have a wife, the Lord has given you that wife. It's a gift from him to you, and you have found a good thing, and you obtain favor from the Lord. Secondly, Solomon tells us, make it a priority to build your house. Proverbs 14.1. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. 
Now, let me address something that we've had to address a couple times in going through the book of Proverbs. Sometimes uh, Solomon, as he's talking, is talking directly about women to his son. Remember, Solomon is giving advice to his son. But the principles that are found in these statements apply to both husband and to wife. So husbands and wives, you are to make it a priority to build your home. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What kind of time are we putting in to building our home? Men, do you put as much time into building your home as you do to building your work or building your business? You should. You should. If you are married... Your decision to get married is the second most important decision you can ever make. The first one is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second one is the person that you are going to spend the rest of your life with. And so make it just as much a priority after you're married as she was before you married. We're to build our homes and make them a priority. Someone has said, make your spouse glad to see you come home and also make it so that your time in the home as such as they're sorry to see you go. Make it a priority. Number three, each of us should strive to be an excellent spouse. An excellent spouse. And that, Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. A pretty vivid word picture there, isn't it? An excellent spouse. The word for excellent means one of strength, one of might, efficiency. It was sometimes used of an army. It's the word that was used to talk about men of valor. That word for valor is the word that is used here. We each are to be strong spouses within our marriage. Sometimes this idea of the wife who is to submit to her husband, and that is a biblical construct as well, and certainly within marriage, that is something that God requires, but some have made that to be that the wife has to be without an opinion, the wife uh, must be kind of very quiet and mousy and never say anything and never have an opinion about things. That's not what Solomon is saying here. Solomon is saying as he talks about this woman of strength, the excellent wife, she is someone who is strong. She is someone who does have her opinions and is willing to share them, and yet for that to be true within the framework of being submissive 
to her husband. So husbands, we are to strive to be excellent husbands. Wives, you are to strive to be excellent wives. Next advice from Solomon, number four. Be satisfied with and rejoice with your spouse. Be satisfied with and rejoice with your spouse. Proverbs 5, 15 to 19. Drink water from your own cistern. Once again, a beautiful word picture that Solomon is giving us. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Husbands, be satisfied with your wife. Wife, be satisfied with your husband. And notice Solomon talks about rejoicing. Do you have fun in your marriage? Are you able in your marriage to do enjoyable things with one another? If not, it's time to start. Marriage is to be a place where we are rejoicing. Marriage is to be a place where we are happy. Marriage is to be a place where we are overflowing with joy. It is the gift from God. It is what God intended. And so if you're having no fun in your marriage relationship, husbands, as the head of your homes, you need to figure out how to bring fun back into your relationship. Whenever I'm counseling with couples that want to work on their marriage, I always give them an assignment when they leave my office. And one of the things I tell people, and this has cut my counseling load way down. In all my counseling now, I give people an assignment, and I say, don't call me for the second appointment till you finish the assignment. Once you finish the assignment, we'll meet again. But one of the things where there is any trouble at all within the marriage relationship, I always say to the husband, this is part of your assignment. You are to plan a date with your wife. Often, it's been a long time since they've been out on a date, just the two of them. I say, husband, not only are you to plan the date, you're to arrange for the babysitters so that your wife doesn't have to do this. Then you are to plan something, not that you would like to do, but something that your wife would like to do. Think back to when you were dating. You were willing to take her almost any place while you were trying to convince her to marry you. So we need to bring that romance back into the marriage. So plan something for you to do. And then also I encourage people, the both partners in the marriage, I want you to write down in a letter to your spouse, the things you appreciate about them. And at the end of this date, I want you to share those with one another. 
We have to bring fun into our marriage relationships. Sometimes people will try to impress me, say, we have been married 40 years, and that's a great accomplishment. But then I will ask, well, how many of them have you been happily married? Oh, we've been married 40 years. Maybe three of them were happy. Uh, (laughs) Marriage is not something we are to be enduring. It's something that we are to be enjoying. So be satisfied and rejoice with your spouse. Advice number five from Solomon. Make your home a positive environment. Make your home a positive environment. Now we're going to look at a number of verses, and these verses will be pointed toward the women Remember, Solomon is talking to his son, and these things apply both to men and to women. Proverbs 17, 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Proverbs 21, 9. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21, 19. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Proverbs 27, 15. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. Those are some pretty vivid word pictures, are they not? They apply to both men and women. Nobody wants to stay in a home that is constantly filled with strife. Nobody wants to have constant arguing and quarreling within their home. This is not what God designed, a home filled with constant confrontation and constant fighting and constant complaining and quarreling. So it's important for us to work at making our homes a positive environment. I close with a story about Two different men, two brothers. One of them, his name is Charles Wesley. Many of you will be familiar with hymns that have been written by Charles Wesley. He wrote hundreds upon hundreds of hymns. He lived within a very loving marriage relationship. He made being at home a priority. And by all accounts, he had a fruitful and happy marriage. Well, perhaps better known than Charles is his brother, John Wesley. John Wesley did not get married until he was 48 years old. 
In February of 1751, while crossing the bridge into London, he slipped and fell and broke his ankle. So he went to stay at the home of Molly Vezel, who was a wealthy woman with four children. She was a wealthy widow who cared for him. Eight days after he went there, they were married. Those who knew the couple best described their marriage as the 30-year war. John refused to reduce his travel. If you remember, John Wesley was a traveling itinerant preacher. His wife at first traveled with him, but she was constantly getting sick, and also she couldn't endure the attacks that were, made, that were being made upon John. So re, she refused to continually live on the road, and John refused to cut back his travel at all. There is one report that at one point, Molly was very, very ill, and they contacted John Wesley, and he arrived at home at 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning to see how she was doing. Two hours later, her fever broke, and they said, so he left and went back to where he was before. John, in his journal, admits to at least on one occasion being physically abusive with her life, with his, with his wife. Uh, she, he apologized for bruising her and thanked God that he did not go further than what he had. Molly was so upset with John that she began circulating vicious rumors about him. She would even go into his office and get the letters that were written to him, and sometimes she would write the, the replies to those letters. Their final years in their marriage, they spent apart, not seeing one another. When Molly died, she had been buried for several days before John even learned about her death. Now, when we think of John Wesley, we think of someone who's kind of a hero of the faith, someone who is out spreading the gospel, and indeed we should honor him for that. But I share this story with you, not to have you look negatively upon John Wesley, but to let you know that though he may have been a great success in his preaching, he failed miserably in his marriage. And God requires that we be faithful not only in what people see as far as our public persona or our ministry, 
but also in our character that is seen only many times in private. God could have used John Wesley just as much as he did if John would have been faithful in his marriage relationship. This should be an example to all of us that God is the one who ordained marriage. And since God ordained it, we need to follow the principles that are found within his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its clarity. We pray, Father, that you would help us that we might be faithful in serving you. Father, we thank you for the marriages represented within this body of believers. And Father, I would pray that you would pour a blessing down upon each of these marriages. Where there are issues, Lord, I pray that you would be put it on the hearts of husbands and wives to make things right within their marriage relationship. For in doing so, they will be pleasing you. Father, we pray that you will strengthen the marriages within Maranatha and by doing so, strengthen this church so that we might bring honor, glory, and praise to you. For this we pray in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.